Brian McCumber learned the basics of banking firsthand from his father. My dad owned his own construction company for 40 years. He was of the age that it was a, a checkbook register and 10 column ledger paper, <laughs> right? And that's what he ran his seven figure business off of. But gone are the days of managing finances with pen and paper. Digital technologies have been and continue to be a driver of change across markets, and banking is no exception. As director of Next Generation Banking at FIS, Brian works to help advance such digital innovations. It's exciting, right? We're going from a approach and strategy and partnership perspective between banks, commercial customers, and fintechs. Technology has really enabled some of this speed to market that's unprecedented. This is Financial Futures, a podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. In this season, we're focusing on banking's digital transformation. Digitalization is no longer optional for financial institutions. It's necessary. We'll unpack what this trend means for banks, consumers, and communities alike. In this episode, we're focusing on how commercial banks have adapted in a post-pandemic bank-from-home world. Brian McCumber, CPA, Director, Next Generation Banking at FIS, joins us to talk about the challenges and opportunities commercial banks face ahead. Commercial banking um, sometimes is a little bit of an enigma. One of the things I always work with people on is kind of demystifying it, right? And uh, talking more about what commercial banking is and why it's important uh, not only for banks, but um, how some fintechs are looking to support uh, banks in, uh, in this digital age. Well, yeah, you, it's interesting that you say it was. it's a bit of an enigma. As I was looking over the research for this episode, I'm like, oh, commercial banking. Well, that's just my bank. You know, and then I started digging around. I'm like, oh, I was thinking of retail banking. Commercial banking is different. You know, so I think we're you're going to provide a pretty good education for at least me, if not our listeners today. <laughs> Can you simplify what commercial banks really are? Commercial banking really covers small businesses, could be a mom and pop shop, up to what we call middle market. So it could be maybe a $100 million uh, manufacturing company, all the way up to a Coca-Cola, who is a global company. Commercial banking really covers that gamut of whether you are a small one to 10 person business, all the way up to a global company that has hundreds of thousands of customers. There is a lot of similarities of commercial banking, of how a bank really goes to market to help support those different client segments. That's a huge range of clients. So how do their needs differ and compare? Even though you talk about the complexity of going from a a 10-person business to 100,000 Regardless of your size, it's really five basic needs. You want to make payments. You want to receive payments. You need to be able to get information about your account. And then you may invest your money or you may borrow money. Essentially, if you look at commercial banking on those five fundamentals, it kind of 
brings it back to their basic needs. Any business on a daily basis could need any of those five fundamentals because that's really what they live off of. They need to pay people. People need to pay them. They need to understand what is going on with their account, meaning if you're a large corporate, you may need to have sophisticated needs to understand all of the interday activity in real time for your account and small business. You may need to have access on a mobile device to say, oh, hey, I got an alert. I got a big deposit. Great. I can make this payment to my vendor because I was able to collect on a receivable. And then on a daily basis, depending on your needs, you may be able to invest money or you may need to borrow money if you have working capital needs or pay down a loan even on a daily basis. So if you really look at it, regardless of what size you are, those are really the five things that you need to be able to, in essence, run your business because your bank account is your lifeline from a financial perspective. So same needs, different scale. Exactly, exactly. Because they have different names too, right? Is something to a small business is as simple as, is I need to write a check. I need to make a mobile deposit. Whereas that same need when you end up in a large corporate scenario is, oh, well, I need to send a wire out or I have a comprehensive payables file where I got to send out checks and ACH and wires all at one time, or I need lockbox, right, to collect all of my deposits for people paying me. Same concept. It just is the scale of the solution, right? A large corporate needs much more complex solutions. Whereas if I'm a small business, I just need to scan the check with my phone. I need to be able to turn around and do bill pay, but they're the same concepts. Collect money, get paid, pay people. And it's just a matter of how does a commercial bank meet those needs with different solutions, but they're the same need. Have those needs changed over the past year? You know, we've had a pandemic, businesses have suffered. What are the needs now of small businesses and corporations? How has that changed? So, you know, it's actually interesting, you know, in, in a time of the pandemic, which is obviously unprecedented in our lifetime, it further reinforces those fundamentals, right? You've got a dynamic between a bank and a commercial customer, right? The commercial customer, whether they're a small business or large corporate, struggling, right? It's an unprecedented situation. They've got remote workers, especially like if you're in corporate treasury or corporate accounting, you've got remote workers. You still have to do your payments. You still got to be able to collect your money. All the while, while your business has had a unprecedented impact to it, right? If you're a small business, you are being impacted. Like if you're a restaurant, you are having to change your model, but you still have to pay people. You still need to collect money. So what's happened is it's really put a premium on digitization, real-time payments, right? It went from cash is king Everybody in businesses always says cash is king, but it's like, oh, hold on. No, we got to go contactless. We have to go to more electronic payments. There's a shift. There was already a shift, right? But now it's an unprecedented number of electronic payments that are going through. So you've got a commercial customer that has to adapt to a bigger 
amount of their payments going being electronic. The bank, on the other hand, has to be able to support more of those digital needs. You've seen a lot of ads on TV. I've, I've heard banks says, hey, we opened up a new branch. It's in your living room. You know, if you're a business, same thing. It, you know, the new branch is in your office. So commercial customers are really focused on maybe more than ever going, wow, we got a lot of work to do maybe to move to electronic. Or if you're a small business and you were used to going to a branch, it's like, well, I really can't go to a branch for a while, or maybe I got to make an appointment. I really do need to get up on using the mobile deposit or getting people to pay me electronically and pay them. It's kind of maybe sped up the adoption of electronic payments and whether it's receiving or paying them. And this whole time, right, one of the things that has happened is you've got uh, commercial customers who have complex lending needs all the way down to the PPP that's happened with a small business. So they're struggling with, I'll say, their cash flow and their working capital. At the same time, you've got a bank who's struggling with interest rates, squeezed margins. They're making less money on deposits, right, because of the interest rates being so low. You've got this changing dynamic that at unprecedented speeds, businesses are having to adapt to how they manage their finances and banks at the same time are trying to redirect efforts, right? We have seen in the marketplace that certain projects have had to be halted or slowed down and resources moved over to maybe other projects. PPP was a big one, right? It was a lot of work to get that up and running so that fintechs could support banks who could turn around and disperse the PPP money. So you've got this dynamic of really unprecedented movement on both sides of that commercial banking relationship along with the actual commercial customer. And I think for the most part, it's been successful, meaning successful. We've been able to keep the the money movement going and be able to meet their needs. Obviously, there's been a lot of businesses that have failed, right? Banks have struggled, but I think both sides have been, at least from the, the cash flow perspective and the money management perspective, tried to really keep up. And uh, thank goodness there has been a lot of digitization. Otherwise, I think this would have really failed. If you look back maybe 10, 15 years, it would have been a huge struggle to be able to do money movement in this type of pandemic if it hadn't been for some of the digitization that already happened. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I've mentioned several times that in addition to hosting this podcast, I'm a working actor. So I'm part of that gig economy, you know, and my agent still uses checks and you combine that check with what's been going on with the postal system in a pandemic. Oh my gosh, it has been yeah. so interesting. Exactly. So think of your like Comcast and you're still getting a ton of checks for your cable bill every month, right? And now all of a sudden the postal service slows down and now I'm not getting all of those checks are coming in slower. Whoa, hold on. I've got a like a, maybe a 25% change in my inbound cash. And then how much time and money it takes just to process checks. Exactly. Uh, if you were a check heavy company that was relying on, let's say, lockbox, you could have taken a hit 
Whereas these other companies got out ahead of it in maybe the last five to 10 years and avoided some situation like that. So it was one less thing they had to worry about during this pandemic that whereas maybe their competitor that added one more thing to their list of issues that they had to deal with in the middle of this pandemic. Right. And what about the banks themselves? I think I read the banks were caught in the eye of the storm. You know, here they are, they're a business themselves, and they're probably suffering with their own cash flow and being behind the eight ball. And yet they're helping all of these other businesses try to stay afloat. I think that's spot on, right? So you've got, um, just like all the, their customers, they've got distributed people that have moved into more of a home situation. And in some cases, that's operations people, technology people, product management like myself and, you know, more of a middle office may not be as big a deal, but you've got back office people who, you know, normally you're sitting with each other and you're working all day. So I think there's been a lot of automation and and work done on the bank side of saying going into 2020, I can say that most banks probably switched their priorities on the fly, redistributed some of their investments and put it into enhancing some parts of their business that maybe were lower priority before. You know, one of the stats from uh, an industry analyst, uh, Sellant, said that 41% of commercial banks are actually increasing their technology budgets and 29% are even accelerating projects that are underway. Normally you would say, well, we're in a crisis situation, you know, all bets are off. I'm a bank is uh, we're not spending any money on that because we got to spend on something else. It's actually been a driver that says, hey, guess what? We've been talking about this three to five year plan. Oh, guess what? It's now a three to five day plan. Hey, this isn't a nice to have anymore. This this moved up to the must have. And banks are a challenge with that. So, you know, as a fintech, we have that same challenge, right? We need to be able to turn around and support the banks so they can support their customers, right? Is That's how I look at, at my role is, is we're not selling the banks, we're selling through into the customer, right? Because if we don't provide solutions that ultimately help a customer, we're not doing our job. It's a linkage. I've got actually two customers, right? I've got the bank and I've got the bank's customers that we're trained a solution for. And and we have to step up our game too, right? And uh, support banks as they're changing their priorities. So how are you stepping up your game? What are things that are, are happening in the fintech world that are helping banks and customers? One of the things that has been out there is commercial customers want more self-service, right? What can I do on my own without having to call the bank or get a piece of paper out, right? So there's been some enhancements on that side, especially if you think about it, maybe a bank's customer service uh, group is dispersed or they have less of them available. So, you know, hopefully providing more self-service for a customer. Banks have become more open to partnering and bringing in fintechs to help them solve problems because they can get to market faster, right? In in these type of crises, you can't build fast enough on your own. So they're being more open-minded. I think about bringing in partners. If you look at it historically and watch the fintech progression 
over the last, we'll just keep it simple over the last decade. Sometimes it's over the last five years. It's always started with retail, right? It's always started with the individual and you get it, right? If you've got millions and billions of consumers and that's where a lot of the fintech investment has been, that's been the shiny object. Well, if you kind of look in the last couple of years and even in the last three to six months, those fintechs are starting to progress into small business, right? Is, hey, we've had all the success and lessons learned with consumers and retail customers. We have identified and everybody knows in the industry is small business has been extremely hard to be able to make profitable because it's hard to service. It's somewhere in between a large corporate, traditional commercial customer and retail customer, right? Is a lot of banks in the past have tried to put a square peg in a round hole with the small business offerings and make it look like retail. But it's like, really, what small business needs is a lot of what commercial has. But banks have been successful figuring out how do I put the technology, the service and the relationship all together to be able to support a small business. And I think one of the things that's come up in this crisis is that has been an area that banks have like, oh, hold on. My small business customer can't go in the branch anymore, right? They can't see their RM in the branch. So I think that here again, the 800 pound gorilla in the room of how do I finally take care of modernizing and digitizing that small business experience and the relationship, you'll see the Novo banks popping up, specializing in small business, gig workers like yourself, right? There are digital only banks that said, this is why we exist. We're going after that market to help a gig worker or a company with 10 gig workers. And what that also is, is that's the progression of guess what's next commercial. And really what banks have looked at is we talked a little bit about the traditional build by partner relationship too, but you're starting to see, and it's happened in the last six months, quite honestly, is there have been merger and acquisition deals put together because basically certain banks have said, I don't have the scale and the scope and the capital to do this on my own. Whereas the top four banks in commercial, really City, Wells Fargo, Chase, and Bank of America have scale and scope to be able to support these commercial banks that quite honestly is very powerful against, let's say, even the, the next 10 banks. So you're seeing banks merge to be able to start competing with those top banks, right? And a lot of it has to do with economies of scale. Now they can have combined assets, combined deposits, and go after these modernization and digitization projects to really keep moving their bank forward that they don't believe they could do on their own. Right. It's almost like the pandemic put the spotlight on the small business and realizing how many small businesses there are out there and how much they were suffering. This kind of sped up a whole process. Exactly. And, and one of the one of the dilemmas that banks run into is is a lot of times there are, I'll say, some shiny, great looking processes on the front end from a client experience. But sometimes it doesn't always go all the way through into the back office. 
right? That's not good for the bank. It's not good for the customer experience. So I think that's also, you know, when you look at it, areas that fintechs are trying to help banks with is robotic process automation, RPA, looking at machine learning, looking at artificial intelligence, right? Here again, projects that maybe were nice to have before are starting to move up the ladder because of the pandemic. You've got to be able to automate more things. You've got to make the client experience better. But, you know, that comes back to when you've got the top four banks who have the deposit base and the size to take on that type of scale and scope of that type of project. Whereas if you're maybe the top next 25 banks, you may not be able to tackle everything. Right. If you kind of read some of the stories behind some of the acquisitions that have happened, it's clear that they're going for scale, just not on the, you know, the branch side and branch elimination. But there's a lot of it of I need to be able to pool more resources to be able to do some of this IT development. You know, one of the things that is a little bit of a misnomer when people think about commercial banking, they're like they run away. They're like, oh, what's that? That's like, you know, advanced calculus. Right. It's like, right. That, it's know, a logarithm. It, it's a logarithm. Like, oh, you know, that's that's behind the curtain. I don't know what it is. It's like, well, one of the things I always work with people on is kind of demystifying it. I look at it about 75 percent of commercial and retail is an overlap. Right. You got a checking account. You got a savings account. You maybe have some investments. Right. From a bank perspective. You have stop payments as a stop payment. A hold is a hold, right? It's the same mechanics. It's the same concepts. They have different names of what a payment is. Well, probably if you're a retail person, a payment, that's a check, maybe bill payment. But if you're in commercial, uh, payment is probably wire, maybe an international wire. And you've got real-time payments and same-day ACH, still payment. Payment is a payment, but they just have different names. What I always try to get people to focus on is what's that 25% uniqueness, right? Get comfortable that you actually know more than you think about commercial banking, but understand the difference, right? Commercial banking, you have multi-currency, you've got FX, you may have escrow accounts, you have maybe sweep processing that you need for a zero balance account. Well, nobody in retail knows what that is, right? But they have IRAs. They've got an ESA for education savings account, right? But understanding here again, overlaps and differences and kind of demystifying that because a lot of people will say, well, uh, oh, commercial. Um, well, this is retail. Well, you, you can just do the same thing as retail. Well, that's not really true. Um, and then the other flip side is, is people will say, oh, commercial, that's completely different than retail. And I'm going to run away from it because I don't understand it. Well, no, it's. A lot of it's the same concepts. And when you bring it down to that level, I think people really start to understand what commercial banking is. And when we talk about commercial banking, it's lending and deposits, right? It, it, lending is just as important. Commercial, it could be an, uh, a mortgage, could be a home equity loan, could be a car loan, right? Well, commercial has similar needs, right? They've got a lot of complexity of different lending they can do, but they may have a line of credit for capital needs. They may have um, bond issuance, right, to sell debt. But the bottom line is, is they're still borrowing money. It's just got a different name and it's got a different level of complexity. So could you sum up why you think commercial banking is important? 
after the demystifying process? <laughs> it's highly profitable for most banks, right? If you look at it from just a pure margin perspective, commercial banking is many times more profitable, but it's higher risk. You've got larger deposits and loans. You've got higher capital requirements. You probably have higher hurdle rates of return on investment for those commercial deposits and, and loans, but it's higher rate of return, right? And there is a attractive market for banks that can effectively service um, and provide products and services for small business customers. If banks can solve that, they have a huge leg up in the industry to be able to focus on that. And maybe they don't go all the way to large corporate. But there is plenty of small businesses up to middle market clients that banks can have a very successful line of business, great profitability, an annuity stream, right? A lot of when you start getting into commercial banking, there's long, deep relationships. Business customers don't move their accounts willy nilly. When you're a business and you have a banking relationship, it takes a while to get set up. It's very interconnected with different back office systems that you have. To move to another bank is a big deal for a business. We always talk about on the retail side is like, oh, if I change my account, I got to go in and change all of my direct debits and, and my credit card and all that. Yeah, that probably takes a couple hours. If you're a commercial customer, it could take you know, several months in, in planning because you've built all this automation. You're just not going to move quickly, right? So Right. It's stickier. I learned that term. <laughs> yes, sticky. It's truly a, a business relationship, right? If you think about it, when you land a commercial customer and let's say they generate $10,000 a year in uh, revenue, whether it's fees or, or on their deposits, you could probably bank on you've really sold maybe a five or 10 year relationship. So when you land that customer, you didn't land $10,000. You landed $50,000 of a deal or $100,000 of a deal because it's a long-term relationship. And that's why it's so important to maintain that relationship because it is going to be an annuity stream and that helps from a capital perspective, helps with profitability. It really is a cornerstone of a lot of banks. As we wrap up this episode, what are some next steps for financial institutions looking to explore this area of the market? I'd say there's three big hot topics out there in the marketplace. Banks are really looking from a technology perspective, leading towards this digitization and modernization conversation is they need to be able to have end-to-end -end integration available for their commercial customers using the API-enabled platforms to really support the open banking concept, right? There needs to be that end-to-end -end digital experience that whether you're a small business customer or a large corporate, you need to be able to have experiences that can be seamless, end-to-end, -end, automated. You know, if you're a small business, it's things like using software like QuickBooks. All the way up to if you're a large corporate, you have 
an ERP system. You've got a corporate accounting system. You need to have that end-to-end integration with your bank. So the banks want to be able to support that more than ever. I think one of the other big things that is important is uh, customer onboarding. The analogy I always use is on the retail side. You can give three pieces of pretty discrete information online and probably within a couple minutes, you can have a new account open, right? It's pretty slick. It's yeah. great. I've done it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's, it's great. And then you're on the commercial side and the commercial customers, that same scenario for a small business customer to a large corporate, unfortunately, isn't that fast. Um, it could be up to 15 different documents we've we've identified of setup forms, articles of incorporation, signatories. It's just a different dynamic. Then there's all the back office review, right? Is It's not just looking at Aaron and Aaron's social security number and passing it through a system. I have to look at Aaron and her partners and her articles of a corporation, it's just not that fast. But how can we make it better? How can we do workflows and things and make it better? That that I think is one is the second one. And we hit on it earlier, small business. Small business has always been out there. It has been an opportunity, but more than ever, banks are trying to figure out, I've got to solve that puzzle. That is a always going to be a high growth area especially when uh, small business customers were struggling. But then there's the other side of the gig workers and all of those businesses that are popping up. How do I support Aaron as a gig worker? Quite honestly, that was a client segment that didn't really exist before. How do I solve for that? So to me, that's the three big things I see commercial banks are looking at. It's back to that prioritization. What do I need to support my customers? More than ever, commercial banks are trying to focus as much on the customer's point of view than ever before. And that will be key to digitization and modernization. That has really happened on the retail side. Lessons learned from retail banking are coming over to commercial because, as we know, everybody wants that Amazon experience. Right. We needed our toilet paper delivered. <laughs> yes. I, I And I want to be able to get a reward and I want some, you know, they want all that easy experience. And prime one day, although it's not really one day anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> well, could it be? Sometimes it's an hour. Yeah. Um, right. But I mean, commercial customers are going, well, you figured it out on the retail side. Well, we know it's more complicated, but why? You've got to get more innovative on the commercial side. Our customers are asking for it, so the fintechs need to get more innovative of how do they support commercial banking. And here again, that's in a nutshell, right? A lot of the things going on in commercial banking. What are customers doing? What are banks doing? What are fintechs looking to do to support not only the banks, but the commercial customers? And if you look at it from a fintech perspective, Fintechs are going after the banks and small business and corporate commercial, right? We talked about long, long-standing relationships that banks have with their customers, but they can't rest on their laurels. The fintechs are moving into small business and commercial. So just like banks have had to compete and be more innovative on the retail side, it's now coming to that commercial side and commercial banks want to. And they want to really put their foot on the pedal and go faster 
to do a lot of these modernization and digitization projects. And that's what they're trying to focus on right now. It sounds like we have a lot of fodder for the rest of this season because it sounds like there's a lot still more to talk about. But I think I, I found a quote that kind of sums up what you just said is banks must disrupt or be disrupted. I think it's spot on and it's the natural evolution, I think, of where the market's going from this triangulation, I think, between customers, banks and fintechs. Right. And how in essence, we're all hooked, we're all linked together, right? And we all have to be successful ultimately so that the economy can keep going, right? Business is the heartbeat of any economy and it's just a matter of how fast can we go. Brian McCumber is CPA, Director, Next Generation Banking at FIS. That's it for today's episode. Join us next time as we take a closer look at real-time banking with Matt Lessig, Vice President, Next Generation Banking at FIS. See you then. Music